We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Nation, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on your favorite Pacers website, PacersTalk.net. We want to thank you guys so much for tuning in with us today and listening to our podcast. And of course, joining me as he does every Tuesday and every Wednesday, the one and only, the skinny man, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Alex, great to be back. The boys are back together. I'll take that as a compliment as skinny because I am on my game right now. COVID has not taken me down. I'm in some great shape right now. And speaking of COVID, thought I had it last week, got tested, results came back negative. You just can't bring me down, especially when we're talking Indiana Pacer basketball. Oh, wow, man. I had no idea that you were feeling symptoms. That's crazy. So I'm glad you're doing okay. And, uh, you know, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm tuning in here on Skype. I haven't seen Fachi in probably about a month and a half because I took a little bit of a hiatus. And the man is ripped, ladies and gentlemen. And he went from a little baby fat, the Italian baby fat, to, you know, abs. So, you know, Foch has been getting his workout on. He's doing his best impression of Nikola Jokic. <laughs> where you know i'm over here doing my my impersonation of sean kemp whenever oh, they had the lockout and i'm getting fluffy and you know that's why my foot's killing me but anyway Fodge, we got a lot to talk about today pacers basketball back in our lives thursday as we get to see some scrimmages so are you getting jacked up or what i am jacked up but for some reason alex it feels like we could never just enjoy nice things because right when it feels like we're getting vic back we hear the news about sabonis and yeah 
being someone who's gone through, you know, plantar fasciitis and, you know, maybe while not as athletic as Sabonis, Alex, can you tell us what that injury is like and how much it could linger? Well, it's, it's very painful. And, you know, it's one of those things where you really can't do anything but just take ibuprofen and stretch ibuprofen and stretch it out. And one of the symptoms and uh, that you notice, it's just like burning pain in the back of your foot and then on the arch of your foot. So it's just burning pain that you can't feel and or that you can feel really badly. And then the best way to stretch it out is to either, you know, run your foot over a tennis ball or a frozen water bottle. I personally chose the frozen water bottle because it kind of numbs it. And that's one of the ways I did it. But like it hurt so bad. I went to the doctor because I thought something was broke. And uh, they ended up doing an x-ray. Nothing was broken, but they gave me a boot. And what that boot was is it was an elevated arch where it tried to, like, make my foot flat so that way I wouldn't try to put any extra weight on one certain side. And so when I wore that, it felt great. But, yeah, it's it took about a couple of weeks for me to get through it all the way. And, you know, like you said, I don't have that same athleticism or, you know, basketball body like Sabonis, but he's put a lot more miles on his feet than I have. A lot more miles, but you're talking about, you know, from what I was reading the other day, that he really can't put any weight on that foot, and that is yeah. not good for a guy that was bringing just so much to the table for the Pacers this year. Obviously an all-star, but that's an understatement when you're talking about the numerous stretches where he led us in points, rebounds, and assists. I mean, yeah. you know, the screens that he set. I mean, bringing so much to the table that, you know, when I'm reading my news, I, I scroll a little bit down, and then I see TJ Leaf's going to log some minutes at center, and I'm thinking this has got to be a joke. I mean, it can't. we can't be going from Sabonis to TJ Leaf at center. I mean, come on, what did we do to deserve this? <laughs> no, and I mean, I think, I think what, what McMillan was saying when he said that he can't put weight on his foot is basically – that he can't run on it because I don't know if you saw some of the videos where they saying happy birthday to Brian or was it Goga Brian Bowen saying mm -hmm. happy birthday to Goga at practice. Well, Sabonis is walking in there, you know, with the guys. So it's not like he can't walk on. I yeah. think what he meant basically is he's not able to run and, and plant because that's a big thing for Sabonis setting screens and planting and turning and pivoting. That's where you're going to get a lot of the pain from that. I'm not a doctor obviously, but I know, you know, when you're using that muscle of your foot, that's a lot of the stuff you're doing. So sliding in on defense, you know, you basically you can walk, but it doesn't feel good. So I don't necessarily think he's taking up all of his weight. I mean, if he was doing that, he'd be in a boot, I would assume, in crutches. So uh, thankfully, I don't think it's that bad. But, you know, you bring up a good point. Uh, Goga's got some uh, issues as well, injury-wise. Miles Turner had a little bit of a setback, but I think McMillan did say yesterday that he'll probably play in those scrimmages. So that's a good sign. You know, it's a good opportunity for T.J. Leaf, and it's a good opportunity for the Pacers to let T.J. Leaf get a little run, and maybe if he plays well and some teams are like, hey, there might be something here with T.J. Leaf at the center, then we can get off that $3 million come come the offseason. It feels like this is the last opportunity for T.J. Leaf for the Pacers. I know that, yes, his option was picked up, but it just feels like, come on. I mean, this year, close to nothing. I, I, I want to say that I read to be exact – He's logged 17 minutes in 2020. So, you know, it's yeah. not it's not much at all. I mean, whether you took a, you know, the, the four-month absence or not, it's not a lot of minutes that he's logged, uh, you know, this season basically, period. Um, yeah. And Goga being hurt now, it's like, come on, please. You know, we, we need you to just be able to contribute something over here. You know, I know Kent Sterling speaks very highly of Goga. And I was listening to the last episode you know, great when you guys are covering that. But this is a big opportunity for Goga. 
I mean, you, yeah. know, you would think that if everyone was healthy come playoff time, minutes would be very, very slim for him. But with the unknown, you know, being for Sabonis, I mean, Goga has an opportunity here. You know, four months yeah. you've been working. I, I want him curious to see what he's been working on. And these scrimmages coming up are going to give us a glimpse of that. It's going to be interesting. Just 40 minutes for the scrimmages. Not 48, but yeah, you know, this, is, this is an opportunity for everybody to get some run here. And I expect everybody to be getting run in these scrimmages. Yeah, when you say everyone, you're including Victor Oladipo, which it's been quite a bit of a roller coaster ride with Vic. And I know we did touch on that on our podcast Sunday night. But, I mean, I'm, I'm just excited to see how Vic looks because if the rumors are true that he's looking like the best player on the court, you know, out playing Malcolm, out, out playing Turner, out playing Warren, Sabonis, and stuff like that. We know he's the best player, but coming off the injury playing like that, that's a good sign. And so it's a good opportunity for him and Brogdon to get some minutes together, go up against one of the best backcourts in the NBA and McCollum and Lillard, kind of show what they can do together. And I'm not expecting big things from these scrimmages. I'm just expecting them to kind of get their feet wet, to just see what they look like after that long hiatus. And you know, we're not sure if Goga's going to play or not. I mean, I would say that it's probably 50-50 at this point. But, you know, the thing with the Pacers, when you draft guys, we talk about T.J. Leaf, you know, Aaron Holiday. When you draft a player, that player, for the majority of their career, is going to be on your team for at least the beginning of their career. Because look at Aaron Holiday. You know, you get him for the first two years. You pick up those next two years on that 2-plus-2 two two option. Then he's a restricted free agent, so you can sign him for another five years. So you get them for the first nine years of their career This is a good opportunity for Goga to show his worth because if the Pacers do decide they want to move on from the the Turner-Sabonis pairing, having Goga prove that he can play valuable backup center minutes is huge for them deciding to pull the trigger on a trade. But if Goga proves that he's just another TJ Leaf, a guy that you can't count on, then unfortunately, you know, making a trade is is, uh, not going to happen more than likely. I, I couldn't agree more on that because if he's not going to show you anything, why would you take such a huge risk this offseason and, and trade one of those, you know, between Miles Turner and Sabonis? It just feels like far more unknown than, than answers. Right now, we don't have any answers on Goga. Like, you know, we, we feel confident that, you know, he could maybe make, I don't even know, I don't even know if we want to say that. I don't even know if we want to say we feel confident that he yeah. can make it moving forward. I would like to trust that he can be a, a good NBA player, but we have not seen that yet. And when you're talking about Oladipo, it is, it's it's kind of getting down to crunch time for them to announce that if he's playing or not. Now, we assume right. that he is. We assume that this is his big version of the test, of testing you know his quad to see how everything is. And just crunching some numbers, over his last five games before the shutdown, he was averaging 18.6 points per game on 47% shooting. Yeah. I think that that's something where it really shows that he's rounding in a form. If you want to, you know, make it a little bit larger for sample size, over his last seven games, he was averaging 16 points per game on 48% shooting, and the Pacers were 6-1. and one. Yeah. That one loss was to the Celtics in a game where he scored 27 points, and it came down to the wire. So, yeah. It just shows he was really starting to get into form, and I believe the reports when I hear that he's looking good. So, you know, whether there's money that's being up in the air as a dispute or not, we want him on the court, and at least we know that the Pacers are saying the right things to say, we'll pay you regardless, but it's kind of like, I feel like he's looking at his players now, and I think they're kind of, you know, we don't know what's being said, but I think it's kind of understood, like, hey man, 
We need you. Yeah. Well, they definitely need Vic to go out there and, you know, compete at the highest level because without Victor, you know, the leader of their team on the court, then, then you know, they're, they're going to be fine. We saw how well they played without him, but they're not at that level where they can win a first-round series without Vic because they just need someone that can create shots. I mean, you're talking about a guy two years ago that was an all-defensive player, you know, a guy that can get out there in the passing lanes. There's not going to be as much pressure on Oladipo to carry the load offensively with the guys that he has on his roster now. I mean, I know a lot of people have been talking about that Miami Heat series, but, you know, if you got Jimmy Butler guarding Victor and you've got, you know, whoever their best, Kendrick Nunn guarding Malcolm Brogdon, well, nothing against Duncan Robinson. He's not a horrible, horrible defender, but I don't think he has any chance matching up with T.J. Warren. None. You know, you know I mean, one-on-one. So T.J. Warren's going to have his way. We know Myers Leonard cannot guard DeMontis Sabonis. And, of course, Bam Adebayo is, you know, one of the best defensive players in the mm-hmm. NBA. So it comes down to it, Fachi. I just think Victor Oladipo is that guy that the Pacers need um, to really prove how great they can be. And and Victor sees that. And maybe Victor got down there and said, hey, I really like playing with these guys. This is a good opportunity. I miss playing with Domas. You know, he's been my boy since he came in the league. You know, Miles has my back on the defensive end blocking shots. Malcolm's such a great leader on and off the court. I want to be a part of this team. Maybe he feels that way, and maybe it's just to prove to himself, hey, I can do this, or maybe it is for the money. Nobody knows. But all I know is that I'm excited to see Victor back on the court, and I truly hope that he gives it 110% and he goes out there to compete because we know the competitor Victor Lodipo was in 2017-2018. Oh, of course we do, and we miss that Vic. And I just think that is he ready to really give up another playoff run talking about missing the playoffs two years in a row i don't know that's a good point i I think i think the competitor in him will want to play and i think he does but obviously that's that's a decision solely up to him but when they talked about the trip to india in the preseason and how close it brought the team i think that this bubble is like taking players back to when they truly played for the love of the game like truly we've heard it tossed around almost like an aau tournament right now where these players are they're spending every second together basically of being together in the bubble and doing activities together that I think it's got to build chemistry and I think that stuff alone has to be like weighing on Vic's mind of I just don't think I can let these guys down especially yeah. when when they're they're complimenting how good he's looked I mean we've had TJ McConnell say that he's looked pretty much like vintage Vic and <laughs> you know we haven't even touched on how we've heard T.J. Warren's looked great. And honestly, I don't even think it's a bold statement at all. I think that T.J. Warren would lead us in scoring in the playoffs. I, 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 I'm standing by that. I think T.J. Warren's a guy who all year had a career year. He stayed healthy. I believe he's been working. And I, I would not be surprised if T.J. Warren was the leading scorer in the playoffs for the Pacers. Wow, Fox, that's a pretty bold take there. I mean, I don't know if I would say that he's going to lead the team in scoring because – one thing that you have to notice with Vic back, with Brogdon back, with Sabonis back, you know, there's not going to be as many touches for TJ. But I do think, you know, like I mentioned with that Miami Heat series, if that is the way it goes down, I do think that, you know, Warren's going to be given the ball and a little bit more chance to score, which I, I think that they'll probably have to change their rotation. Miami will. They'll probably end up bringing in a Jay Crowder or an Iguodala to play for Duncan Robinson. But, you know, if you can change up the way they do their things, and that's that's the game plan, right? That's how you beat a team is you by make make them make moves, right? So 
it, it's one of those things I love TJ Warren. I think he's probably the hungriest pacer out of all the pacers on this team to finally get a taste of the playoffs. And you mentioned that about Oladipo. That was a great point that you brought up. Victor has made the playoffs twice in his career, if I'm not mistaken. He might have made it earlier with Orlando, but I know he made it at least I think it once. was the Thunder. Only with the Thunder and then with yeah. us the mm-hmm. year after. So he's made it two years, and the, only, and the only time he's been in the NBA he's made it twice. Had to miss last year with the, tra- uh, the tragic injury. And then you, you bring him into this year, and it's like, I'm going to miss the playoffs because I'm trying to keep myself for the next year. It's like, you know, brother, how many more years are you going to give up on an opportunity to, like, play in the playoffs and compete? Like, this is the, the crazy NBA restart. This is the bubble. This is the COVID-19 year. Anything can happen. I'm mm-hmm. not saying the Pacers are going to be favorited in any series that they're in, but I do think the Pacers are slept on like they are every year, and I think this is a good opportunity for them to come out and say, hey, we've been slept on. We won without Oladipo. Now we got our leader back on the court. Let's go out there and prove that we can take down any team in the Eastern Conference or at least compete with them and push this thing to six or seven games. I love it. I think that Vic has to be seeing that point. He has to. But to go quickly back to that TJ Warren point, hey, if you're not going to get enough touches, then you better be efficient. And that's one thing that TJ Warren has been all year. So that's why I feel confident in that. Plus, TJ McConnell was also saying that it looks like TJ Warren has extended his range and that Ooh. he's looked real good from a three-point standpoint. And obviously, you know, in the season, he shot good from three. Uh, he was, uh, I believe, a 37% uh, three-point shooter this year. So if, if you're telling me that he's looking better, then, hey, I love what I'm hearing. So for, I'm not worried about TJ Warren. Uh, I am very excited to see what Vic's got. Brogdon, I think, could be almost like maybe the key to all of this. Obviously, Vic's yeah. the most important. But, Alex, if we're getting the Brogdon from the first two months of the season – we're getting a, a, a pretty special player, you know, because Brogdon was looking like an all-star in the beginning of the year. And at one point, he was about second, second or third in the league in assists. So, you know, we've only had limited games of Oladipo and Brogdon together, and that backcourt is capable of, of something pretty great. And we, we're yet to see it, but, I mean, we spent a whole offseason fantasizing about it and about another four months, what felt like another offseason, fantasizing about it. And we're almost there. So... I'm feeling pretty good about that backcourt. Well, he's your second highest paid player for a reason. And there is a reason he was the second best player last year for the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's why everybody made a big deal about, wow, the Bucks might have taken a step back by letting Brogdon go. Now, we saw that that wasn't the case because Giannis is so good. Wesley Matthews came in, really fit that role pretty well. We know Wesley from being here with the Pacers for a couple months. But I just think Brogdon, you know, I mean – I, I can't say anything bad about Malcolm Brogdon. I think that his ability on the court defensively, offensively, playing with the ball in his hands, playing off ball, I do think, you know, he's a little bit under under the radar still as a primary ball handler because a lot of people just think of him as, oh, that catch-and-shoot guy. But one thing that Zach Lowe said that he loved about Malcolm Brogdon is he's got the ability to get to the rim. He's, he's not afraid to put the ball on the floor. And I think Oladipo's that way. Uh, Warren Warren can be that way. I mean, we know Warren is just kind of one of those guys that takes the shot that they give him, and he makes a lot of those crazy mid-range shots that nobody really expects him to take. Sabonis so is a bruiser. You know, one, one thing we've seen with Miles, too, is, is his ability to stretch the floor, and he's put the ball on the floor a little bit more uh, before we went to our to our suspension of the NBA. But, yeah, Brogdon is the key to it all. You know, it was, it was tough because the Pacers were kind of playing with – 
uh, Aaron Holiday there for a little bit when Brogdon went down with that injury at the point guard with Vic, and it made the team a lot faster, but a little bit smaller. But I think with Brogdon, that size, that ability to shoot the three, his defense, it's definitely one of those things where you feel confident that, hey, this is the backcourt you're paying your most money into. Now's the time to prove your worth, and and he's had a lot of ups and downs with injuries this year, but I'm excited to see a healthy Malcolm Brogdon. Hopefully this COVID-19 did not set him back any. Hey, I that, as if it wasn't enough to overcome all the injuries they did all year. Of course, they had to throw COVID at him, and he beat it. So at this point, you know, Brogdon's got to be ready to roll. Happy to know that the Pacers are healthy from at least a COVID standpoint, but Say that Domas injury, you know, lingers a lot. You know, I'm yeah. expecting to see Justin Holiday playing, you know, sliding down to the four and playing a good amount of minutes there. Alex, that's someone you've always been high on. Yeah. What, what do you think? If the Pacers can slide down Justin Holiday, I think that they're able to play a much faster pace than they had on the year. And, you know, Stephen A. Smith claims that Nate McMillan makes all these playoff adjustments, which I don't know where he got that point from. But is this going to be one of those adjustments? Because the ESPN coverage has been horrible for the Pacers, but I think you can get better coverage right here. Yeah, no, not for me, but from you. But yeah, Justin Holiday is one of my favorite Pacers, and I just love the way that he plays the game of basketball. And, you know, as big of a Sabonis fan as I am, and I love watching Domas play, playing Justin Holiday with Turner – I think you might be able to see a little bit more modern style of basketball. Justin has been lights out from three. Turner has been, you know, decent from three. But I think if you spread the floor defensively, they're going to be a little bit better because, you know, Justin's probably better at switching. Uh, He's more of a wing playing a power forward in this Pacers offense with this bench roll. But he's strong enough, smart enough to know how to guard in the post. I mean, Justin Holliday is just a very special player to this team. So yeah, I would love to see. And like I mentioned before, I know we haven't really touched on it in a while, but I would even be okay seeing some smaller lineups with Aaron Malcolm and Victor out there together, play TJ Warren a little bit at the four, not saying that's what I want because I think, you know, Aaron plays a little bit better off the bench right now. I feel more comfortable with him coming in that role, but I do think there's opportunities for him to get out there because I think just like Justin, he's a defensive menace as well. Not as not as good defensively, but I think just what Justin Holiday has brought to this team. I mean, I was really concerned about him missing uh, the bubble because he was thinking about sitting out, which I understood. I wasn't going to be upset if he did, but I really didn't want that as a selfish Pacer fan watching these games because he has been so good for this team, Fotch. And the three-point shooting, is he shooting 40% this year? Yeah. Yes, he is. Uh, Justin yeah. Holiday has been someone who is having a career year at the perfect time you know, going right into free agency. So, to be exact, on the season, he's actually shooting 42.5% okay, yeah. from three. Don't, don't want to jip him of, of any percentages. That right, man has right. shot the three ball very well this year. So, yeah. he adds something. Look, you want Domas healthy, no doubt about it. But, you know, if you are going to, you know, tinker around with the offense a little bit, you know, sliding Justin Holiday down to the four can maybe have this team shoot a little bit more threes, be a little bit faster. Like I mentioned, 23rd in the NBA in pace. The only yeah. teams, that only playoff teams below them were Miami and Denver. Other than that, you're looking at the bottom feeders of the league. So you have to be able to make some changes. I do worry from a rebounding standpoint, if Sabonis isn't Sabonis. I mean, this is a Pacers team that was 24th in the league in rebounds. And when they got out-rebounded, 
a large, I'd say 99% of the time, it felt like they lost those games. So, you know, it's just a flat out, you know, Sabonis is by far the best rebounder on this team. And to, to not have him be pulling down, you know, his 10 to 12 rebounds a game, it's going to hurt big time because there just isn't someone that can fill that rebounding role, I feel like. Yeah, it's going to have to be a group effort. They're mm-hmm. all going to have to crash the glass, which might kind of hurt them in, in playing up-tempo if they yeah. don't have guys that can rebound. So that's a good point. You know, and uh, thank God Andre Drummond's not able to come to the bubble. Oh, so my God. Don't, have to worry. <laughs> don't have to worry about playing Andre for the seventh or eighth time. But um, it, it's one of those things, yeah, this is a good opportunity for Turner as well because, you know, if, if Sabonis has got a lingering injury and he can't play the first couple of games, you know, that first game is going up against – the Philadelphia 76ers, and we know the problems that Miles Turner has had with Joel Embiid because Embiid is just I, – I believe what Zach Lowe says about Embiid. If Embiid had the mentality to stay healthy and just focus on his game and play a full 82 games, he could be the most dominant player in the Eastern Conference, possibly the entire NBA, if he put forth the effort and was healthy enough. So it's not like when you say – oh, Turner struggles against Embiid, it's a slap. It's just, no, <laughs> Embiid is that freaking good. So, you know, Without it's one doubt. of those things where I think this is a good op- This is where I think it's a great opportunity for Turner, if Sabonis can't play in that first game, to show what he's got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, go up against Embiid, say, hey, look, I'm tired of people saying I can't guard you. I'm ready to prove that I belong here. I don't want to be traded. I'm tired of hearing that I'm going to be in the trade rumors for the next five years that me and Domas are here together. It's always me feeling like I'm on the outside looking in. I'm going to prove my worth. I'm going to make this a very difficult decision and show what I can do. But, yeah, so long story short, Fudge, there's just a lot of great players on this Pacers team that I'm excited to see how they develop, how they how they have grown since they've set out, but how they come back because we know it's going to be rusty and we can't expect too much right away. We, we really can't. I mean – Three pre, you know, three scrimmages. You know, I, I almost call it the preseason. It almost feels like we're really starting a new season again. But it really three, does. Three scrimmages, not enough time to truly get into a rhythm. But it, it's almost just like who's been working and who hasn't, because it's going to show. Like you mentioned earlier, this is going to be the craziest playoffs we've ever seen, because we've never seen a situation like this before. And I right. think at that point, that's where. Anything could happen. And, I mean, we're not even asking for much. Alex, Pacer fans are dying just to get out of the first round. I mean, I don't want to remember there was that time where it's, do we want to drop (laughs) down to the sixth so we can avoid Milwaukee until the conference finals? Just get us out of the first round. I don't want to try and fall down or anything. I want to just try and get out of the first round. If I guarantee you that that's all we're asking for. And I think at that point, it could save Nate McMillan's job. I mean, it could have all Pacer fans saying, you know, maybe we don't need to blow this up. Maybe we just needed more time together. But a first-round exit is going to have people, you know, at the end of their seat saying, I I don't know about this anymore. Changes need to be made. And you can't just keep changing this team every year. Right. I mean, that's one of the things that stinks about the NBA is there's so much turnover right now. It's hard to fall in love with a player on a team or go out and buy a jersey because, who knows, in two to three years he could be dealt. He could sign with a new team or whatever. But I think Nate McMillan's in a really tough spot. And I said this on Twitter. I said, I'm really wanting to see how he does in the playoffs because if he, you know, continues to just be a a feel-good story, you know, embrace the underdog mentality, you know, oh, we overachieved, we overachieved. Like, okay, at some point you got to quit overachieving 
and you have to become as good as you think you can be. You know, it's like you set these expectations so low just so you don't disappoint yourself. But here's the thing. When it comes to Nate McMillan, it's like I guarantee it. If they get swept, oh, fans will be coming at him. But if they lose in seven games, oh, well, if McMillan would have done this in game two or if he would have done this in game five, we would have won this series. So he has got nothing to gain from this except winning. <laughs> so if he loses in the first round, it's going to be a lot of fire, Nate, all over Twitter. We're going to see it more and more and more, and especially if the rumors are true that Oladipo is not happy with McMillan as the coach, which I've heard. Don't know how much I believe it, but there is some rumblings of that going around here in Indianapolis. And quite frankly, I'm just I'm just excited to see how these guys – play together you know love the coach or hate the coach you got to play together as a team and I don't think McMillan's a bad coach I just think that he's got to change some things schematically to get this team over the hump and I think that that's part of it and while he might I think he's a great regular season coach and a very mediocre playoff coach I think that that is kind of just the the stigma about him whatever you want to call that that's that's what that's what people feel about McMillan, and this is his opportunity to change things. I think one playoff series win, if you win one series, it could be enough to keep him for years, for, for, for better or worse. But, it, I mean, if you're talking, when you mentioned sweep, Alex, that will have been the third sweep in four years for the Pacers at that well, point. How attached, how attached is Kevin Pritchard to name McMillan? Because Very attached, too attached. I, if Well, I really believe because... Bird said, I think McMillan's the right guy. But if you remember, he said that he talked with his guys, and Kevin said, what do you think about Nate? Well, Kevin knows Nate from Portland. They had a very close relationship. Nate came in here to be the assistant head coach under Frank Vogel, and it was like, you know, nobody really wanted to see Vogel leave, right? But, I mean, I was a little bit on the bandwagon of, hey, if we can get an upgrade on the offensive end, I'll be okay with it because I thought Vogel really struggled without having that core of Lance, David, and Roy there. It was just it was just a weird fit, and it wasn't his fault, I don't think, but it was one of those things where I just felt like he was limited as a coach, and I, I kind of agree that he was a peppy guy. Would much rather have him than McMillan, that's for sure. Yes. But, but what I'm trying to say is I believe that that move was made to hire McMillan before Bird stepped down because it's what Kevin Pritchard wanted, and they knew that this was coming – this whole transition was coming after that year. I think Bird had been in talks so. with him. So it, it's been it's been Kevin's guy since he's got the position. I'm just not sure if Kevin is going to be able to let go and say, hey, it's kind of like the uh, Pagano and uh, uh, Jimmy Ursay thing, where, where Jimmy Ursay was, this is my guy, I hired him. It wasn't the GM that hired him. I made the hiring. I'm not going to let him go. Same with Pritchard. I, I think eventually you got to cut that tie and move in a new direction, and try to find a more modern-day coach. You have to, because I understand, look, their ties, they run deep. You know, you're talking about, I'd, I'd say they've probably been connected for maybe about a decade, basically, or close to it, um, you know, dating back to Portland. But at this point, I mean, we're not in the business of feel-good stories, and, hey, we overachieve, you know, year after year by, you know, a couple wins here and there. It's you can't overachieve every single year. When you touched on it before, at, at some point you need to be who people think you could be, and that's, hey, this Pacers team was built to be deeper than the teams of the past and to be able to get out of the first round and maybe even further than that. But if you're going to go down in round one again, 
Changes have to be made, and if you're not going to make a change from a coaching standpoint, you've already shuffled the players here and there. I mean, there was like, you know, 10, 10 new faces this year. I mean, yeah. or close to it. So, you know, you're talking about it's got to be from a coaching standpoint because I do think that Kevin Pritchard has done a good job of putting pieces around, you know, for Vic and everything. Obviously, Vic hasn't been healthy for that, but he has, you know, gotten crafty. Through the trades that he's worked out, I mean, that Phoenix trade, there's no way it could have worked out any possibly better. That's that's being crafty. You found a desperate team, and you traded the bare minimum for a player who had a career year this year. Yeah, and it, and it allowed for them to sign Rubio, which kept Rubio out of a exactly. Pacers uniform, which was even better. A little two-for-one so, special you know, right there. It's, right, two-for-one. So it's it comes down to this, Fachi. You know, we... we we kind of got off topic. We're just kind of all over the place because we're just so excited to talk Pacers basketball. Yes. But when it, when it comes down to these scrimmages here, Foch, you know, this is um, – we, we have three games, and I think it's Portland is San Antonio. And who's the third one? Is it Dallas? Dallas? Yep. So, I mean, these are all teams that have different, unique styles of play. San Antonio is a slower-paced team. You got Dallas, who is, you know, Luka-driven. And then you've got the backcourt team and uh, Damon CJ. So we don't really know how many minutes guys are going to play. We don't really know much of that, but what we do know is we're excited to see these guys get some minutes guys like Edmund Sumner, possibly Goga, maybe Jakar, TJ leaf, you know, Brian Bowen might even get some run. Nazmi true long. We'll get to see some of these guys that we don't get to see a lot and get a, get an idea of what they look like. But we also get to see how our guys are, just developing because I think we remember how excited we were to watch, like you mentioned, the Pacers in India against the Kings. Oh yeah, and it went down to the wire. They played hard. T.J. Warren had that big bucket. Mm-hmm. So it's just you know this is kind of the feel that it has. Like we're oh we're starting the season back up. It's real big. It does feel like the preseason. It so, really does. You know, this, and and this is such a cool thing that they're doing. And I love the results that we're hearing about how people aren't testing positive and they're making sure everybody is social distancing and wearing masks. It's, you know, it's it, everybody has their opinions on what they think of the mask, what they think of COVID, what they think of everything. But I'm just glad that the NBA has gone ab- above and beyond to get us basketball back, to make it, make it healthy and allow for us to see our Pacers once again in action and not just throw this season away, but give us a real chance to, to compete and show what we're worth. I know. I, I cannot be more excited about it because when COVID first struck, you and I thought it could be a couple weeks. It could be a yeah. month. And we're talking a month. four months later. Here we are. We're on the cusp of basketball. And I could not be more excited for these scrimmages, which are going to mean close to nothing. But at the same point, it's basketball. And I'm so excited. But if you could pick one player outside of Vic, who you may be most excited to see and get some run in these scrimmages? Yeah, these scrimmages, I, I kind of hinted at it on our show on Monday. I, I really, Goga is somebody that I'm really excited to see just because I want to see what he did over those four months. Did he get better? Is he the same? Because if he hasn't really improved much, I'll be disappointed because I really think that's a that would have been a good opportunity for him to just get with, you know, get in the gym, keep working hard, and not let the season linger on. But if I'm looking at like a star player, I, you know, I, I want to see what T.J. McConnell said about T.J. Warren. Is he really extending that three-point shot? 
you know, how, you know, how much more is he going to take that shot instead of, you know, going for a mid-range shot? A lot of variables here, but those are two guys I'm really excited to see because ultimately, you know, the future is part of them and uh, they're going to be a big part of the Pacers future. So I want to just see how they've, how they've developed. How about yourself, Flash? Man, I'm really leaning towards Aaron Holiday. I feel like uh, Aaron Holiday has been someone where when he has it going, when he's putting up 10 points per game, or even more than that, I believe there was a stat where he, when he put up 15 points you know, per game, the Pacers' record was significantly higher to the point where if he can be consistent in a six-man role, I think it makes all the difference for this Pacers team. It makes him that much deeper. I mean, and we saw in limited run, I believe he had... Like two game deciding shots this year. I know he had the game winner against Orlando, and I think he had a really big one against Brooklyn earlier in the year. You know, both oh, shots yeah. that you know with about a minute or less um, that you know sealed games. And I think that if Aaron Holiday yeah. has been working, which I believe that he has, if he can take that next step forward in what feels like a real off season, it's gonna it's gonna be big for this Pacers team because we saw in the past the bench has always killed him. In the playoffs, yeah. I mean, time after time, uh, you know, it, it's it's really you know dragged down the Pacers team. That if Aaron Holiday can do his, I mean, you're already trying to fill the hole of Jeremy Lamb, which would have been great to have. We know we don't have him, but let me see what Aaron Holiday's got. Yeah, that's a great one too, Fudge. I love Aaron Holiday, and you know, you think about it, he's only been here two years now, right? Mm-hmm. So we got him at least for seven more years after this, because I guarantee they will match any restricted free agent offer or they'll come up with a deal where they can sign him. And I just think like Aaron is so good. He comes from a great family. That's super competitive. Mm -hmm. They're super smart people off the court, just as much as they are on the court. Just a great guy to have on your team. I mean, this is the best draft pick that McMillan has or uh, Pritchard has had in his short tenure here over the last three years. So yeah, Aaron holiday is a great, great guy to talk about because he, he has so much talent and I just, only thing that I've been a little hesitant about is McMillan's leash on him. Oh, yeah. He's been, you know, it's been very short, and he's got veterans that he's playing with on the bench, which I really think has made him so much better. His brother, Sabonis, is is an old man trapped in a young man's body, so to say, <laughs> when it comes to how he plays. And you got McDermott, and you've got McConnell. I mean, that is a perfect core for him to be intertwined with to help him succeed at this young age. And, you know, I mean, these veterans are awesome. I think that the Pacers have done a great job getting the right veterans on this team, even though they're still relatively young. But, yeah, Aaron Holiday, man, he he can put up some points. But he's good on the defensive end, too, Foch. Mm-hmm. So it's just this is a great opportunity for him to prove why he should get more run, and hopefully McMillan allows him to do that. Big-time X factor for this Pacers team. I think that, the as I mentioned, the loss of Lamb and the uncertainty around, you know, Vic. I think says that, hey, we we actually need Aaron Holiday, and we need him to be at his best because he's going to be called upon uh, during this stretch, and I'd like to think that he answers. Uh, I think that he's, in the beginning of the year, when you mentioned that short leash, it's so hard for him to come in there and play like three minutes or six minutes, you know, miss, you know, maybe two or three shots and then get yanked and then not play for a while. You know, he, he, at one point he was on, that leash was so short that it felt like if he missed a shot, he was going to be taken out. So yeah. I, I feel like we saw his confidence grow over a stretch. Still saw some some ups and downs, but he's someone that I feel like has been working, and I think that we're going to see all – we're going to be able to benefit from that, of all the work that he's put in. 
Yeah, well, if you remember about 40 years ago at the beginning of the season, um, McMillan was playing Sumner over him. And oh, yeah. Oh, it yeah. took a Sumner injury to get Holiday some minutes. And then it was like he was the, uh, like Justin Holiday and him were like the 10th and 11th men. And Gogo was getting quite a bit of run with the second unit. It was like Gogo, McDermott, Sumner. And then I, I think they had McConnell out there as the point. And then the power forward was Leaf. So it was like, the Holiday Brothers were on the outside looking in, like, and where would we be without the Holiday Brothers on this on this season? You know, thank God they got Edmund Sumner, Goga, and Leaf back on the bench. No offense to those guys, but this is a team that's trying to compete, and if you're trying to win with those three guys as you're part of your bench, I mean, that was not a great move by McMillan to start that season off, but they found their stuff. They found their nice rotation, and just to kind of put a pretty little bow on this conversation, Fachi, I have to ask you the question I've been wanting to ask you for the past 20 minutes. What do you think of Doug McDermott's new hairdo? Ah, McDermott, I mean, he's got a little swag to him, but at the same <laughs> point, you know, I, I don't know, man. If that ball, that three balls, Dougie. if that three balls going in, then he can have his hair however we want, however he wants it. But, you know, also you got T.J. Leaf with the, the man bun going on. He's got the long hair now also. So, beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, if, T, if, TJ, if T.J. Leaf can give us two points at some point, I might give him a pass, all right? So, you know, hey, they can wear their hairs however they want as long as that ball is going in through that net. Would you wear a man bun? No. No shot. No shot. Not no a man shot. bun guy. Just, uh, mm-mm. Do I feel like me. you might look pretty – I would look terrible with it because I'm so fat. But I think with your abs, you know, oh, the yeah. new, the newly, the newly acquired abs that Fachi has, I mean, the, the man bun might be something that uh, that Amy might be a fan of. Well, they, they might have to crop it on to me uh, in a photo to find out because I don't think I'm ever growing it out. <laughs> uh, that's great stuff, man. Well, do you have any final words before we wrap this podcast up here? No, I don't other than, hey, guys, the wait is nearly over. You know, by the next time you hear our voices, Pacer basketball will have been played. And for that, we all got to be excited. Win or lose in these scrimmages, who cares? We're getting the boys back. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to thank you guys once again for checking out this podcast. If you made it this far, please head over to iTunes and subscribe. If you have not already, make sure you're downloading this episode before you listen, because if you download, that helps us out quite a bit instead of just pushing that play button. And make sure you check out all of our work on PacersTalk.net. I'm at Alex Golden NBA. My guy, Fachi, he's over on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. And until next time, we'll talk to you all later. Let's go Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.